Welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we will cover the late pick five from Aqueduct on Saturday, November 14th. This is show number 94, November 13th, 2020. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how is your post-Breeders' Cup going? A little bit of a hangover. Uh, it was kind of a crazy week. I... I did gain appreciation for Steve Bick on what it's like to be doing podcasts on a daily basis. Um, you know, he does that every week, year, uh, you know, week in and week out throughout the year. Um, so I got a taste of that. It was fun, though. I really enjoyed the podcast that we did. Had some great guests. Didn't get quite the results I was hoping for. Kind of had some day two, I thought. Um but, you know, that's the way it goes. You win some, you lose some. But, uh, you know, I've recovered, and I'm ready to start uh, thinking about races post-Breeders' Cup, including the races that we plan to cover in today's pod. All right. And I think we may have some new listeners, so maybe we should clarify what this pod is all about. It's not – well, it's about finding horses that have some unique qualities, horses you might not have considered – to hear some angles other than what you have discovered. It's not to give you a cold pick five. That's not the purpose of this. The purpose is to get you thinking uh, about angles that maybe you hadn't thought of before. And it's on you to construct your own ticket. And um, maybe, maybe we give you a horse that you end up using as a single and it works. Or maybe we throw in a 20 to one and and you make that, you add that to your ticket and it comes in. Um, the main thing is that it's not, it's not meant to be like, Hey, you missed that pick five. We, we don't even give you our ticket. You know, we, sometimes we don't mention horses cause we already know that they're favored. So like, it's, it's pretty obvious why they those horses look good. We're looking at different angles. Yeah, but we will guarantee your money back if you don't win. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, the whole idea here is we're trying to kind of kind of simulate sitting around uh, at the bar the night before the races or at the track during the races with your friends, chatting about uh, ideas for the races, bouncing ideas back and forth off one another just to help clarify or add to your thinking about the race. And then let you make the decisions about how you want to play the race and how you want to incorporate that information. But it's just more fun and useful to hear other people's opinions. So we're just trying to bring that sort of feeling to you, um, you know, without actually being next to you at the track. And especially in these crazy COVID days, I, I think it's that it can be helpful. I know it helps me um, every week. It's really valuable to me just to have this kind of conversation with Scott and with our guests. So. That's all we're really aiming for is just trying to replicate that 
back and forth you have between horse players when you you know respect the other person's opinion and you try to factor that into your thinking. And if you hate our opinion, just throw our horses out. Yeah, you can use the let it ride methodology and just check, you know, cross <laughs> out any horse we mention and and play somebody else. I'll give you a good example. I'll give our listeners a good example. We had Bruno on the pod for our uh, sort of early look at Breeders' Cup contenders, and he mentioned Fire at Will. Had He had some nice things to say about Fire at Will. So I said, all right, I, I marked that down. And later that week, I watched Fire at Will's races, and he looked fantastic. And I ended up picking him on our Friday pod or what? Uh, yeah, because he was a two-year-old. So... You know, and, and that horse came in at 30 to one and I bet him and I won and I won. So that's, that's what we do, right? I mean, we, and we de- never know where we're going to get ideas. We get ideas from all our different guests, you know, and, and sometimes we, we use their ideas and sometimes we don't. Exactly. Uh, and, um, and for the, the newer listeners who maybe are new to the game, we're, we try to throw in some information that you can incorporate into your future handicapping, not necessarily the race that we're talking about, but some ideas that you might apply or principles or angles that you could apply to races in the future when you handicap. So we try to do a little education. We don't claim to know everything about handicapping or be better than many of you out there, but we do think we have some ideas and we've learned something over the years that we can pass on other people, especially those who are just getting started. So we try to do a little bit of that educational piece as well. And we try to bring on some smart handicappers as guests, and we usually succeed. And this week, we have a special guest. She won the NHC in 2001. She's qualified to the NHC 14 times. She's Judy Wagner from New Orleans, Louisiana. Judy, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. Great. It's great to have a, a national champ from down there, from anywhere, really. But we've had a few. We've had Paul Matisse. We've had Ray Arsenal. We've had Michael Baychok, who's, uh, I guess, your neighbor down there, huh? Yes, he's about 50 miles away from me in Baton Rouge. All right. Well, um, we usually like to start with a couple of questions. And the first question I have for you is, what horse was your big score in the 2001 NHC, do you still remember it? Yes, I do, because it was the last play I had. Hoover gets the keys in the Golden Gate Derby, I believe it was. I had um, this horse that I loved um, to beat a horse that I soon found out that I loved better, Tis Now. Uh, Capo to Capo was running against Tis Now, and Capo to Capo got scratched, and I was about to lose one of my plays, optional plays, in NHC, and I had about four minutes to get a pick in. I remember this was my first NHC to go to. I was nervous as I could be uh, and did not realize that I had, I was that close to possibly winning. And it was rainy, sloppy. I scanned the Tomlinson numbers did not look at the odds of the horses, and Hoover Gets the Keys had the highest Tomlinson wet number. And I ran and bet it. It paid $37, but there was about a six or seven minute inquiry. So it made 
for a little bit of stress, but that was my key horse for winning NHC. Hoover gets the keys. Wow. That's, uh, of course you remember it, right? I just, I just wanted to, you know, I love hearing those stories. Chris, do you have any questions for Judy? Well, Judy, I guess my big question would be for your, your handicapping, what do you typically use? Because I know from sitting next to you at contests, when you end up with a big score, it's typically in like a maiden race or a maiden claiming race. You know, what are the, is that true? Am I, uh, am I right about that? And if so, what are the tools that you use to help you find those winners in those races? Well, I love the uh, first time starters. I like the maiden special weights of two-year-olds or the young three-year-olds. Um, I like um, pedigree handicapping. In fact, in one of the races today, Ed shift obviously has been a, a, a stellar sire, but uh, when I see an end of mischief and you've got good workout on it, um, that is something that really gets my interest. The first time I ever hit a camper in NHC was probably, it's when it was at Red Rock. So it was probably seven or eight years into NHC. Um, I played a horse that the trainer was extremely strong going turf to dirt and um i do like those i do like the statistics of changing surface and especially in maidens so. all right great so you um, use formulator then judy no use- i am i am an htr person uh ken max's program i use the form i just Formulator, I guess I've never taken enough time to really learn how to quickly identify the things that are most important to me. And that is something that I said that I was going to become more proficient at this year, and I have not followed through on that. Several times I have downloaded Formulator because I, I do know that there's a wealth of information there. It's actually quite a quite a chore to learn both Formulator and HTR. I mean, HTR is an animal. Well, but the thing about HTR, there is so much to glean from it. There oh, are I, I, be, I, I understand, I mean, but, but I'm just saying well, that so it, it takes a long time to learn. It it does, but I do not know the whole program. I have certain screens that I use, and that's it. The um, there are people that probably have double my IQ in HTR that they can figure out, you know, all the importing and all all the different ways to come up with spot plays and things like that. That is not me at all. I I use more of the workouts, the pedigree. Um, and I am a numbers person. When you see, you know, a trainer, a jockey and a trainer, like at Aqueduct that have a 50% with a sampling of 12, um, races, I mean, that gets my attention and that's easy to identify. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I know once you do learn HCR and I know this because Paul Sherman shows me all the time, he'll just flick, 
flip to a screen and say, yeah, look at that. <laughs> you know, he knows where all yeah. that stuff is. So. Well, you know, when I started with it, it was pretty overwhelming. And um, Brian was very much a numbers person. And uh, but he doesn't know how to turn a computer on or off, except if, if he saw an ad that they were giving away something free, he'd always click on it and get himself in trouble. But um, he really got me cued in very much so on, you know, the statistics, and they are certainly there available in HTR. In fact, when I first started handicapping, the, one of the first steps when I went to the races with him was I just took a program and the did the leading trainers and the leading jockeys, you know, with the highest started with highest percentage and that's was my first step into learning to handicap. All right. Well, um, uh, an, another great tool, HCR, a lot of tournament players use it, including Paul Sherman. Uh, I think it's a good time now for us to start handicapping the races. So let's go to the sixth race at Aqueduct on Saturday. It is an allowance. It's a mile 16th on turf, but I do have to warn everybody that it's been raining like all week here. I mean, it's soggy out there, super soggy. So I wouldn't be surprised if they take this off the turf. The stakes should stay on the turf. I don't know if the other races will stay on the turf, maybe one or two. So there's a chance it'll it'll be off the turf, and and certainly the turf will not be firm because it's soggy, it's cool, and it's just it's gray. It's just it's it's not going to be firm turf. Uh, so this race is a mile and sixteenth on turf, presumably a uh, purse of eighty two thousand for three year olds and up. And Judy, why don't you get us started? Okay, well when you mentioned um, about the turf. The runner that I liked has broke his maiden on a yielding turf. Uh, number seven, um, got a jockey change to- um, That's, that's junk and new. Yep, yep. And, um, you know, you, you put Chad Brown and Ortiz together. That's, like I said, I'm a statistics person and seeing that you know, 39% um, with the jack and the trainer, the whole, I slice the distance. And uh, I do think that it is significant that you're going from Lascano, who is an excellent jockey, but to Ortiz, who is the leading jockey. And I do think that, um, this horse will have a better pace this time. I think his last race was a slow pace, but the seven is Jacadu is my pick. My second pick would be the one horse Bray. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's the Bray has loved the distance, never been out of the money at the distance, and like aqueduct has a win at aqueduct on a good course which there's a good chance it'll be good tomorrow chris what did you think well in these races i'm i'm always looking for the <clears throat> the horse with upside and for me that's the five horse starting over 
Uh, and it's a three-year-old, so it's getting weight from most of the other competitors. And in fact, up to five pounds from some of them. It's lightly raced. It's making its third start off a layoff. I think it could be sitting on a big race. Um, it started its career on the dirt and had a couple pretty good dirt races as a two-year-old. And it took a pretty long break and came back. And it was gelded, and they dropped it into a $75,000 maiden claimer. I think they probably thought it was safe, but Robert Falcone, pretty sharp trainer, jumped in and claimed that horse. It won that race. And what I like about it is he claimed it with a plan. Um, I always think it's a smart, if you're going to claim a horse, claim them right off the bench, um, especially if they have upside like this horse. And he got really aggressive and put this horse in a graded stakes race on the turf against, you know, one of the horse in there was Decorated Invader, who's a really nice horse. And the horse was overmatched, but it ran pretty well. It split the field. And um, the, the top few were uh, well uh, ahead of it, but it was in a battle for fourth place, and it really dug in and just got nosed out for fourth and galloped out pretty well. And now they come back and staying on the turf, but in a much more realistic spot and they put blinkers on and they make a really nice rider switch to Manny Franco. And this race is really loaded with speed on his inside. There's like three speed horses that are going to go and he has some tactical speed and ought to be able to tuck in right behind there and could get really a dream trip sitting off some dueling front runners and getting, you know, first jump on everybody else. So uh, there's a lot to like about starting over. I really think it's sitting on a big race. And also, um, I think if it comes off the turf, uh, this horse could run pretty well on the dirt as well. So, you know, it might be live in both and it's 10 to one in the morning line. So for me, number five starting over is the play. Well, I actually, initially that was my selection. I decided to go with him in second. But of course, I'll be using him. I uh, will use him equally with my top pick, which is Kendama. He's this horse, Kendama, has improved every race, was only a length and a quarter behind Largent in his last. And Largent would be favored if he were in this race. In that race, he ran like a pro, two instructions. But I think the jock just moved a little early and he got passed. So he like made a move on the turn. Then he got passed and he kind of lost a little bit of momentum because it was like, hey, these horses are all passing me. Uh, but then he got going again and he was running at the end. He hasn't run on an off course, but until he proves he can't run on it, uh, I, I, ex I can expect him to continue improving. And I think he was also a little too close to the pace in that last race. They were maybe a little bit overconfident with him. So I think it, getting Joel Rosario will help. And... Um, I, yeah, I think with all the speed in this race that he's got a great chance to close from from pretty far back. Um, and then starting over, the only thing, the only reason, the thing that the thing that I like about him is that he improved a little bit running on a bog. And when a horse improves a little bit running on a bog, they sometimes improve a lot in their next race. But the only thing I'm worried about is the course coming up yielding again, because I felt like he couldn't get a hold of that track. When I was watching him running the stretch, there were a couple of steps. He just it didn't look like he was really getting a hold of it. So I, I, I think that could be a, 
a factor if he if he doesn't get it done it may be because of the course judy jump back in if you have any other thoughts um i really i like the comments that both of y'all made on the price sources because obviously i mean i've gotten to know y'all well through tournaments and that's what we're always looking for price plays now uh, a pick five you know sometimes you're a little more conservative but i really do like the um kendama mainly because of several things scott said but also i think that when you that is significant going to joel rosario on that and um i do think that the i think it's the mock horse could be a sleeper um that's the number six the name the six six that's that's go again yeah mm-hmm if um i had a lot of money and could spread i might include the six after knowing the true track conditions and what they look like coming out on the track Yeah, the only thing I would add is just we haven't mentioned the the likely favorite of it stays on the turf, the nine graded on the curve. Uh, I think that horse is rock solid, and it's hard not to include that horse on. There's really no reason to think that horse run won't run well, other than possibly the course condition. Um, you know, a horse is not necessarily proven it hasn't run on a soft going so that that's the one maybe chink in the armor if they do stay on the turf on he, number nine he, he has a well, second <laughs> as the favorite on a good course so you know he might not like it i mean that he was only a two-year-old but that's sort of a little bit of a warning sign like i wouldn't single grade it on a curve but i absolutely agree he has to be included yeah and they don't have well, like is it, is it the right the past Graded on a curve have been state bred, and now we're in open company. Um, you know, I I don't I'm not a real class handicapper like that. I usually look at how fast they've run. Um, so for me, that's <laughs> not a factor. Um, you know, he's run plenty. He's just the fastest horse in the race. Um, so uh, I, I'm not too worried about that. Actually, okay. for me. Some people might really put a big emphasis on that. If if he loses, that that'll be the uh, the scapegoat, right? But um, <laughs> but I I want to say about uh, graded on a curve. You know, he ran his last race was really impressive. It was a classic Chad round. You know, stay way back, then make a big run, and then and close really well. But I also got to mention this Clickitat, who gets a tough post. So I, I'm. You know, like I, I will still have to use this horse because he's been a new horse since he was gelded. And that was at the beginning of this year. So he's, he was super game in his last, he, you know, got passed by graded on a curve, but then he dug in and he kept on fighting and, you know, graded on a curve ended up winning it. But he's, he's also proven on an off course. So click it at, um, will probably be, still a bit of value because he's get he gets the bug rider louis cardenas and 
uh, you know, as far as I know, he's a perfectly good jock and he almost got it done last time. So, you know, just based on that performance, just based on seeing how, how competitive he was and how good he's been this year, uh, he's a use for me. Well, he hasn't been out of the exact in his last seven races. Um, the only negative for him is a lot of speed in the race and, and, um, that, that means he'll have to run a really big race to win. Um, he, you know, he had a much softer pace to track last time and still couldn't be graded on a curve, but you're right. He does have a good race on a yielding turf. Just one, one note on grade on a curve. They don't have like off track sires, but noble mission. I've noticed his horses all tend the, uh, his foals typically run well on soft and yielding turf that I don't exactly know why, but I noticed that quite a few of them tend to run well. So that, that, that might help grade it on a curve too. Again, we're talking about the favorite, so he's not a value win play, but I'm just trying to say, I would not leave that horse out. If the race stays on the turf, if it comes off, I'm sure he'll scratch. So, uh, yeah. I, I should say that, you know, graded on a curve, he might get, he's always bet pretty heavily and there's no reason not to bet him in this race, except for maybe the, the potential that he doesn't like a good course, but he could get absolutely crushed. He could be four to five and then junk who's not a good price in the, on the morning line. He could drift up to six or seven to one. And, 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 and I, I would have a hard time sort of not using him. I have to go deep in this race because I'm going to go skinny later. Yeah, the other Chad. And that horse, you know, he tried to go 10 furlong last time, which might have been just too long. So he cuts back to a mile and a 16th again, could Im- so could improve. So, you know, I think that's a legit excuse for its last race. Okay, well, let's, I think we're done with that race. So let's move on to the seventh. It's the Notebook Stakes, six furlongs on the dirt, purse of 100,000 for two-year-olds. Chris, where did you land here? Well, this is a crazy wide open race. I, I don't have a strong opinion in here. The one I landed on was the three horse half right. Um, I like horses that win in their debut. This one was a little bit um, misleading possibly because it won on the dirt in its debut, but it was in an off the turf race. There were nine horses in the race, so it wasn't like that was scratched down to a small field, but you still probably not the strongest maiden race for a Saratoga maiden race in August. But then it came back and ran pretty well in its second start. It got, um, it went, tried to go seven furlongs, tired at the end. Now it cuts back to six furlongs. And it changes Barnes from Doug O'Neill to Christopher Clement. And I think it, at worst, that's a neutral change. It might be a positive barn change. And, and I like the switch to Rosario uh, which may signal a little bit different strategy with his horse. Instead of going to the front, uh, Rosario kind of likes to take back and make one run. He has a lot of success with that sort of tactic for this trainer. And so off the switch, I'm thinking that might be what they try to do. Most of these horses want to go. And I'm kind of hoping that Rosario takes back, saves ground, you know, angles out as they spin out of the turn and then puts in a big late run. It may or may not work and they may or may not try that, but that's kind of where I'm going with this. 
as the long shot in the field, I think that horse looks like the play if you were going to make a win bet in here, although I probably won't. Uh, if I had to, I would go with three half right. Another speed horse in this race. Judy, what did you think? Well, as I mentioned a while ago, I am big with the Indomitious babies. The looking for trouble, the six horse, first of all, the horse has had strong workout. Um, I think Maker does a good job with two-year-olds. Um, not probably like Chad Brown or Pletcher, but I think that this horse has, you, you're going with a, in my opinion, a positive jockey change uh, to Arad Ortiz. And um, I think this, it, the last race, um, I think it got sandwiched in between horses and um, just couldn't quite get, you know, the seven furlongs cutting back a little bit. So the six is my pick here. Okay. The six looks pretty good to me. I just noticed that Jose Lescano gets off the horse for my horse. Who is the two, the two? Yeah, he's been riding. He's been riding the two all along, and the two has very strong workout. The two does. So, so I think Market Alert has always been a good horse. He was working out really well before his debut. In his debut, he checked before the turn. He ran green, and he got it together. Professional. He hit the gate and had been thrown to the wolves with Jackie's Warrior. I mean, that was his second race, and Jackie's Warrior blew his doors off. In his last, he was bumped solidly, and the comment says lightly, but I looked at the, I looked at the beginning, the head-on, and it was a pretty solid bump, the kind that can have an effect. Um, the blinkers must have gotten him riled up because he was pretty close to the pace, closer than he should be, and, and hopefully that won't happen again. Uh, he was also green and had a little bit of traffic trouble, uh, on the backstretch. So since then, he's had smoking workouts. He was fast in his debut, which was months ago. So given that he had uh, potential trouble in both his last two races, I think he's got some upside. He could give a good account of himself in a race that appears to have a fast pace. I, I think the horse just is probably maturing and would expect it to run better than it has up to this point. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely has some upside there with that horse. And like you said, based on the way it ran way back in June, which is like uh, kindergarten for two-year-old horses, and now it's in middle school, you'd expect to see some improvement in November. So, and you're right, most of these horses like to go. It's kind of hard to win races from off the pace in two-year-old races, but um I don't think this horse is, you know, like you said, it had some trouble early on. So I think it has more speed than, than we might think based on its PPs. So yeah, that one seems live as well. Um, and you get a big price on that horse. I, I agree with you. On that. You get an excellent price in the fact that he has, you know, had almost in the three races that he's had. And like you say, when you, when you're looking at a horse, a two-year-old, 
you know, in June as opposed to a two-year-old in November. I, and and with the work that horses had, I think that that is very much a live horse. And uh, looking for trouble may find the trouble that Market Alert has been having and leaving Market Alert with a good trip. <laughs> Don't put yeah. a curse on my <laughs> now um i just wanted to throw in uh, of the speed horses i i think i would have to include storm shooter he has a bit, very good chance at being the speed of the speed and wiring this field you know his first race he was like on the wrong lead at the end i didn't watch that one but his last race on the slop he he really kind of dominated that field he was hounded by another horse uh, who was a long shot, but he was hounded and he shook him off and 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 pretty pretty much just you know won with authority. So I think he might actually have a little bit more talent. And it was a slop race, but it wasn't a huge slop race, so it I don't expect it to be something that that he's going to react from. If anything, I think he he could improve off it. So I, I'd probably want to have a little storm shooter in this race. I, I would, I would definitely use market alert and storm shooter and, and, and I'll see if I can get any deeper. Yeah. For I me, mean, half right could win too. They all could win. It kind of depends on how the rail, what the rails like, because I typically don't want a speed horse in a race full of speed horses on the rail, unless the rail is, is kind of good and, and horses are doing well. So, I, 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 by then maybe you have some sense for our horses on the rail at a disadvantage or not, but I, I, especially two-year-olds, if he breaks just a half step slow or something, that's it probably. So I'm, I'm a little that's, negative that's, on that post. That's a two-year-old race for sure. Because, and, and I will say this, you know, from my love of handicapping the baby races, price I, I, it is very hard for me to to bet anything that is a real short price and uh well he's six to one morning both, line. Of, both of you have identified you know price decent price sources six to one and then the market alert at ten to one is certainly you know that is something that with the workout and the improvements, the, the fact that they, you know, it's had the issues that it's had. I think that's a good pick, although I'm sticking with mine, but I, I do respect that pick. All right. Well, and Storm Shooter, I I do recognize, Chris, that that, that that rail could be tough, but the mother, the dam of the horse is really fast. And Jose Ortiz has been on this horse for all three races. So, uh I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to lose to him at six to one. That's for sure. Yeah, I think this is definitely a, a spread race if you're playing the horizontals. It's just I I'm always I, I'm always leery of horses on the rail, especially lightly raced younger horses. It's just tough to overcome um, that post and sprints. I'm talking about sprint races. It's just usually not the place you want to be. It doesn't mean you can't win from there, but you need things to go right, and you have to really break well and don't yeah. The, the you know the rail isn't isn't um, playing slow 
so you know and i don't know what it, and because of all the weather it's hard to predict what the what the track's going to play like on saturday i think the forecast is it's supposed to be pretty dry for the rest of today and tomorrow so maybe the main track should be fast and who knows maybe we'll get some races on the turf uh, the main track will be fast the next race is the eighth race it's an allowance optional claiming race six furlongs on the turf the outer turf a purse of eighty-four thousand for fillies and mares three rolls and up judy where did you land here i landed on the um the horse from france madeleine's must i think i really liked before um she came to this country you look at her um races last year and you i like seeing that steady pattern of improvement now not quite as much so on the july 5th race but i like that steady improvement and um the i think you know she's been at the distance once has finished second um rosario has ridden her the last two times and this is my pick i think that i really have a lot of respect for uh christopher clement in the turf races i always i think that's his strong suit in the turf races that i see so the three is my pick i do not want it though at a price of less I'd be hard pressed if it went down to two. I, I want at least three and a half or four to one up. With a lot of horses here, you probably get a price like that. Chris, what did you I'm think? Hoping so. I'm hoping so. I think that the um, seven will probably be the favorite in here, the Chad Brown. So hopefully I'll get the price I want. All right. So strong pick for for Judy. Chris, where did you land? On this race, I like the five horse slimy. And one of the reasons I like it, one of my angles is I like to play horses with yucky names because people don't like to bet on yucky named horses. So you get a little price boost. I don't know why anyone would ever name their horse slimy but this they did so so that attracted me immediately but i really like the horse it um it's really sort of bred for the turf it started its career on turf um and uh it ended up doing pretty well on some off the turf races and over time they've been kind of gravitating towards the dirt with this horse but there's nothing in its past performances or breeding that would lead you to believe it couldn't run as well on turf as dirt and now uh, they tried to get on the turf last time it was another off the turf race and um it that may happen again in here i think this horse can win if it comes off but i think if it stays on the horse could win as well it's it's best races definitely are are good enough to win uh they switched uh eric Cancel. i don't think it's necessarily a, an upgrade from you know louis Saez, but He's ridden the horse uh, three times and has a win in a second on the horse. So he fits pretty well, knows the horse. Uh, big price, 20 to one in the morning line. 
So turf or dirt, I kind of like number five, uh, Slimy, and I'm hoping that nobody wants to bet on a horse with that name. I'll get a little extra price boost because of that. Slimy, I I meant to look up his turf form, and he does have a second at a mile as a two-year-old. So going two turns, but he's really a sprinter. So you might be onto something there even on the turf. I think this is a pretty crazy race, um, but I ended out going with a horse that I think is going to wire the field, and that is Royal Collection, the two. I think she looks like a real runner. Her first race on turf is a toss as she did not have Lasix, and I think it was a route. Uh, then when she got the Lasix, she ran on dirt, so toss that race. In her maiden race, or her maiden win race, it looked to me like she hit the gate and was off slow. I mean, she certainly was off slow. She shook it off and powered home. And she was the favorite in that race, so it was sort of expected. But given that I think she hit the gate and she shook it off and, and really won impressively, I, I liked the race. And then in her last race, she burst out of the gate and simply demolished the field. Now, again, she was favored, but a number of winners – um, have come out of those last two races. Her dam was a four-time stakes winner on turf, including on the soft, just, uh, you know, since it could be soft or yielding. And uh, I, there's not, like, any obvious speed in this field. There might be, you know, some tussle up there. But, I mean, she she just impressed me. And she's got the breeding. Her one turf race was her first one without Lasix. The jockey, uh, the trainer is one with the jockey, Hector, I think, uh, is it Hector Diaz? And uh, he only adds to the price. Judy, jump back in. One of the, um, I, I'm, I'm sticking with my uh, Madeline Musk, but uh, one of the things that on Scott's horse, and I have a question marks all the way across that horse. First of all, the um, yeah, as I said before, I like looking at the workouts, and the horse has excellent works. And also, the two last races being on synthetic, that always kind of piques my attention too. From you know the synthetic going to the turf, I have had good luck with that, and you know the two last races were winners on the synthetic. Yeah. My, my only hesitation with this horse, which is just means I'm not going to single it, <laughs> uh, is that it may not like an off course and, and, and that, you know, because the synthetic is, it's a firm, it's a firm course, right? It's never yielding on synthetic. So she may really love that surface and she may not like an off course. Um, so I, I do have that, that concern. Well, Munings is a, um, an, in my opinion, an excellent sire, and um, has had some really good. I, I don't think it's going to be wet at Aqueduct on Saturday, but um, I don't know that the off track would bother me that much. But I do think that that's a good long shot. But you were talking about singling. I don't think that there is one race in this sequence 
that I would feel confident to single a horse, a runner. Chris, I think I cut you off a little bit. What what else did you want to add to this race? Uh, um, well, the two is interesting, but I mean, the only time I got the lead was in a race that had no pace at all. I, I think the nine horse clears easy in this race and it's been running stakes races, much, much tougher competition and, and sittings, you know, second off some real fast horses. So I, I think the nine clears and that's probably the horse to beat in here. Uh, if it gets, if it does get clear. Um, so I don't, I, I'm not saying the two couldn't win. I just would be shocked if it wires the field. I, I just don't see it getting, getting out in front of that nine. So just from a, a race shape, I wouldn't agree with you, but I, I'm not saying uh, the horse doesn't have some upside. Oh, I, I also like the nine and I think that those two are probably the two, you know, they're the two that are going to go out there. And, uh, I, I will use them equally. I'm not going to bet any more on Royal Collection than Bradenbury. So the other horse that was kind of interesting to me if the race stays on is the one horse, uh, Sister Sophia, who a few years ago was consistently running races that put her right in the mix here. And then she had something really went wrong and was off for a couple of years and changed barns but her comeback race wasn't bad she did show a little bit of speed and got tired and assuming she's recovered with from whatever set her back before the layoff and she got something out of that prep um tightened up a little she could run a big race here second off a layoff and from the rail could save ground all the way around with a good rider and and could pull an upset at a big price. So to me, that one horse sister, Sophia, is interesting. Um, an interesting long shot as well. I would agree on that horse. The numbers and the backs are good. And, you know, why not? I mean, second off a layoff. Uh, you know, as Judy said, it's a tough sequence. Yes, I, I I do have a single though, but um, you know it's the only way I can actually play the pick five in this race, uh, in on this card. Um, let's move on to the next race, which is the ninth race. It's the Artie Schiller Stakes, a mile on turf, purse of a hundred thousand for three year olds and up. Chris, what'd you think? Well, I think Rinaldi definitely is the horse to beat because I think he clears early, so. And he's fast, so he's he's the one to beat. You have to include him. Uh, I think uh, number four, Delaware, is kind of interesting. I know it is Ortiz and Brown, so probably not going to get a lot of value in there, although Chad Brown has not had a great year, and he has another horse in here, and there's some other places that the crowd might go. But, you know, Delaware, to me, is three races uh, excuses for all of them. He's definitely a miler, had a lot of talent in Europe last year. First race this year was clearly a prep. Um, the second one had some trouble and it was still a sprint. And they finally stretched him out to a mile at Woodbine and just got a terrible ride, uh, just a hopelessly bad ride. And he's been freshened up since then and has been training well. And I could think could, could have like a monster race in here. Um, I'm not think, sure you'll get value, but to me, if you 
you know, he and Rinaldi are probably the, the most likely winners. I don't know if you'll get a good price in either one, but those are two I would definitely use in here. Delaware is definitely a contender. Judy, what did you think? Well, this is a little bit of a, a, a tough race for me. I've vacillated between the 13, which is way out, but um, the 13 and the 10 therapists and compounded um, therapists. It's too short for me, uh, but it looks like the logical horse. Uh, that's why I went to compound it. Um, I, the, wait just a minute, let me find my note. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I've gotten confused here. Um, I have lost my notes here. Let's see. The last race was a terrible race on the um, turf, the mile and the eighth on the turf. Come back to me in just a minute. I've gotten something confused right here. I've gotten something confused. Okay, sure. Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and mention my single, even though it's a it's a it's a tight single, and that is the number three hawkish who I've been on before. And in fact, uh, in that race, which was three races ago, he had a nightmare trip. He was checked on the backstretch, then absolutely penned in for the entire end of turn and stretch. I mean, he, uh, poor Manny Franco just could not get through. There, there was, there was no way he could go through. He just, if it was Irad, Irad would have like pulled through and like, and, and, and there'd be a spill. But with, uh, with Manny, he just, he, there was nothing he could do. So it, the number turned out to be not that great in that race. But in his next race, he launched a huge four-wide move and was soon behind Sacred Life, who would be a big favorite here. And in the stretch, he was behind Sacred Life a couple lengths. And I don't know, something happened to the horse. He did something odd in the stretch where he did a little hop. He raised his head. He lost some momentum. I don't know what happened exactly, but it stopped him from running better. And then, you know, once he got back into a groove, he he closed well and he, he got second. So remember that Sacred Life in the next race, uh, whatever his next race was, he was favored like at a Keeneland, major Keeneland stakes. Um, now, the last race for Hawkish is a complete toss. They experimented with blinkers. He ran much faster early than he wants to. They took the blinkers back off for today. And you can usually toss Kentucky Downs races. If, if the horse just runs terribly, you can toss the race because it's a, it's a weird course. It's a weird configuration. It's an odd ship. Everything about Kentucky Downs is just like an oddball. Um, so I think his best number wins this. And he proved by running that nice second to Sacred Life that he is back. And his best number um, – well, Manny was on for his b biggest win, the Pennsylvania Mile, two years ago. So, I, you know, at ten to one, this this horse is a great value, and like it's going to be tight. But if I want to play the pick five, it's the only way I can do it because I can't afford it otherwise. Yeah, that's a pretty bold pick for a single. 
I've you know, always I've always been a fan of him. So he just has a habit of getting into trouble all the time. That's why I'd have a hard time singling him. Uh, that's my biggest <laughs> worry is that he's going to get into some trouble. Did you uh, get so your you stuff together? To... I'm sorry. Oh, did you get your notes straightened away? Well, I, I don't know what I did, but my number one pick in this race is too short a price. Therapist, the 10. Um, okay. the, I have the 13 as a possible long shot that I want to find a, a long shot. And I gravitate sometimes to convincing myself to take the, the price instead of the um, horse with the best past performance. But my number one pick would be therapist because, first of all, therapist likes the distance. Uh, you know, it's a Christopher Clement horse, Turk horse, which I like. Um, it's been in the money every race this year and um that's my pick okay since compounded yeah compounded is a main track only horse so only if it's off the turf will he run right right so we'll just uh, make therapist your pick there's nothing wrong with taking one chalk okay but like i say i do not have one single in this whole sequence so that's I mean, that, that is my pick, but uh, if it does come off, you've got uh, compounded, loves this distance, had three out of five winners at the distance, one second, um, but therapist is my number one pick in, there, in here. All right. Did you have uh, further thoughts, Chris? No, I think we covered it. Um, I mean... There, there are some other horses that are contending here, but I, you know, aren't necessarily going to be value. And certainly, nothing wrong with therapists. I liked it last time; just it was second best to some like it, some like it hot brown. So, nothing wrong with that horse. Yeah, I, I mean, I would probably, Chris. I'd probably, if I was able to go too deep, I'd probably go with Delaware. Uh, that post for therapists could be a lot of trouble. Yeah, and keep in mind, unlike Belmont, these mile races are genuine two-turn races. So the outside posts are typically a disadvantage. Um, so And so that you know, the post is a lot more meaningful. Just that Belmont going a mile, it would be a lot different. Okay, we'll go to... Uh... Perhaps the craziest race, the 10th race. It's a claiming race, six furlongs on the dirt, first 50,000 for three-year-olds and up. Judy, where did you land? Okay. Uh, I am on the 11, just right. The um, black aqueduct. Had a second at the distance. Um, I like the jockey change. It seems like everyone I picked has been a jockey change to uh, Ortiz, but um, the you know Fletcher is very strong in training races, uh, training races, and um, 
the horse won at this level last time. So that's that's where I'm going, and it's hard to to ignore uh, Fletcher's percentage um, on his start at Aqueduct. Six winners out of eleven starters, so that's that's tough to ignore. Well, definite contender. I uh, don't know if you'll get the nine to two, but you might. Chris, where did you land? Well, this is a one of those races where uh, you know all the horses all have races that are probably good enough to win, but they're all in terrible form. It's one of these lower price claiming races where it's almost you know random trying to guess which horse is going to run good today. I never like these horse races much. The horse I landed on was the three Kosciusko. I'm not sure I pronounced that right, but um, Kosciusko. Kosciusko. He um. Well, down in Mississippi, Kosciusko. It's close to that. <laughs> so I don't think that's what he was named after, but um, he pops a good race every once in a while. He had a, a really good race once as a two-year-old. He had a really good race as a three-year-old. He had a really good race early this year as a four-year-old. Now, um, yeah, he ran well enough where they never gilded him, and they finally have gilded him. They decided he's probably not going to have a great grand stud career, even as a New York stallion or something. So, uh, and it's been a while since his good race. So there's no reason why he couldn't pop that good race again. Now it's been, you know, eight or nine months since he did it last time. And if he does, you know, he could certainly win this race and um that's as good as anything in here and it'll be a price so i kind of like the three horse kosciusko trying to go for or kosciusko trying to go for the um the first off the gelding angle uh and the horse is only a four-year-old so there's no reason why it couldn't even get a little bit better so i'm going with a three uh the thing you didn't mention about him is that he gets a nice weight break yeah, but he picks up the apprentice to get it. I I usually consider that kind of a trade off. <laughs> you see, you, you lose a little, gain a little on that. If it was a a need the lead type, um, and maybe that's what they'll do. They'll send him here. Then I then I I kind of upgrade those apprentices. But unless they've shown me the ability to you know really make good decisions from off the pace, I I usually consider that to be a negative, and it kind of cancels out the weight break. Um, I, so. I, I get that. I mean, I, I totally get that, but he's going to be a price and, uh, I agree that he's a complete use. And I also agree that just right is used cause he's got some upside. Uh, that post is tough, but I would use them both. I actually landed on a different horse completely. It's hot out coming out of the seven hole. He's three for five this year with a, a second and one bad race. And he bobbled at the start of that first race of the year. So you can toss it. His last two races, he got out of the gate really fast and wired them. And I think he's got a great shot to do the same thing here. All four of his non-bobble races this year are faster than anything he's ever run, but they're not that much faster than, you know, they're like, he's improved, but he hasn't like run out of his skin. So I think he could still improve. And I think he's just a better horse this year. And, uh, I think he won his maiden at Belmont. So he, he ran a, uh, at Aqueduct before. So it's not like he has to be 
at Finger Lakes to win. Judy, jump in if you have good fights on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My concern is that just the fr the horses that run good numbers going wire to wire at Finger Lakes. I just have not seen many of those translate over to to you know Aqueduct or Belmont. So that's my concern there. A lot of times they just don't run back, especially when they're on off track. The big races recently have been on off tracks. Um, that to me that could be you know I'm not saying it couldn't win at the price it's worth including, but I'm just a little leery of of leaning on those much because a lot of times they don't re reproduce that um, outside of Finger Lakes. That's my only concern. There. Yeah, and I, I I understand that, and I wouldn't be leaning on him at all. I actually want to five deep in this race. I do want to mention one other horse that's even crazier long shot, and that is the four Manifest Destiny. He's he's fast enough to win if he runs his race, and he had two good solid races off of the claim after he was claimed. Um, they were both at Saratoga and then he ran at Belmont on short rest. And uh, I don't know what happened. I didn't, I didn't watch that race, but like it's a toss to me because it was on the short rest. And then he ran on the turf at Belmont, a uh, routing on the turf. So I think this horse is a potential, uh, he's an include. He's the type of horse that can make the pick five pay, Huge balloons, and the trainer has a lifetime ROI of three twenty-two at Aqueduct. Yeah, what you said about that horse to me, you can say about everyone in this field. They've got a race that could win it. They haven't been lately, and maybe they'll run well in here. That's kind of the way I'd sum up all of them. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see any of these horses win. You know, for that reason. I All think right. the possibility is a long shot that I that I noted is and and you're talking going back to the Finger Lakes the last race was on the mud the eight the eight horse seven lilies I I think that when you the horse is very inconsistent come is bumping up from fifteen to twenty five and I mean that's a scary thing coming from Finger Lakes but you look at you've got a trainer. First time with the trainer, he's 25%, and the trainer is 23% in claiming races. So um, this this is a tough race for me because I think it is really wide open. Yeah, and that is a, a big trainer change. And that horse actually shipped in from Finger Lakes to Aqueduct last year and ran pretty good race. Might be the best race of its life um, when it made the same move last year. So that's another one where... Yeah, you could you could make a case for it. At, at forty eight to one, you got third. Yeah. So, uh, and we haven't even mentioned the five horse hot diggity, who seems kind of slow, but it is one of the few horses in here with some upside. And it goes to the uh, a trainer uh, Noda, who's been moving horses way up on the trainer switch. So that horse could jump way up in here, and it's a big price on the morning line anyway. So. You know, every one of these horses has a story like that where you could make a case where it might run, it might be able to win, but they could all run dead last too. They all have have some horrible races on their form too. So, it, this is just the kind of race 
they they always like to stick at the end of these pick fives at at in New York, which just drives me crazy. Where, you know, it's it's just really hard to handicap. And we haven't even talked about the favorite. Well, I was going to, I was going to ask that question. What do you guys think about the caretaker? I mean, uh, would you use them and are you going to use them? Are you even going to play this pick five? Do you think? Well, you know, one way to play it is just to single the caretaker, but because you know, his, the numbers, recent numbers kind of lay over the field. If you look like the last out buyers for the last two races, this horse dominates, but uh, you have to be careful because the horse was claimed by Linda Rice and she ran it back and it got claimed out of the race and then the vet voided the claim. And so now she waits a couple months and drops it down uh, off a voided claim. Uh, so I, you could read it two ways. One could be she figures she isn't going to lose the horse because the vet will void the claim again, which is one of the negative sides of this um, voided claim rule. Uh, or you could say, well, I don't want to touch that horse because, uh, you know, the vet, it couldn't vet out after its last race and now she drops. So who knows what's wrong with that horse? So uh, I, I don't know what you do with that horse. It's a, it's just, this is a messy race. I think it's, and I think you said it, it's a messy race and a race like this. If I do play, play the pick five or any, any of the multiple race uh, wagers, it would be impossible for me to take this horse, especially as a single, at anything, even three or four to one, I couldn't. I mean, Linda Rice, the eyes of the world on her. She's an excellent trainer, I thought, in the past. But uh, in a race like this, I would have a very tough time taking a two-to-one horse. So, Chris, uh, do you were you just following it? And so, you know, about that voided claim or is there a source of information that provides that information? Uh, no, I didn't know it. So let me just look, I'm assuming that it's, let me, hold on. Let me pull up the VPs. Yeah. If you look at time form us, it just says claim for 40,000 voided by a vet. Huh? It's just right, right there in the PPs. So no, I didn't. I that wasn't any inside information or, or anything. I was at least in the time form PPs. It shows right up. I don't know about DRF. I yeah, I've never, but, I've never seen that anywhere. That's interesting. I've not, I've not seen it either. Uh, well, it's good and I use time form. Have. I, I use time form. I see it there uh, now, and so it's, uh, it's, it's something I, I, I'll keep an eye out for in the future. Yeah, I mean it's useful information to know that these horses, you know, couldn't vet out after a race. So that that tells you that that they're probably not in the greatest of physical condition. And it wasn't that long ago, right? That was its last race, and they dropped down um, off of that. So if you you know, so for you, Judy, you know, if you don't, if you're not. Uh, the the way you, maybe you get some value is you toss the caretaker who will be the favorite. And then you oh, spread I out after. I, I would toss caretaker. Yeah. So then you are getting some value playing it that way. Of course, you might, if the horse does run back to its last, any race it's run this year, it probably wins, probably wins fairly easily. So you just got to be able to accept that that might happen, but that's not, not a bad way to play it. Right. Right. Yeah. Now I would use the caretaker just because I'm singling hawkish and, if I single him and then I lose 
the last leg on the favorite, it'll probably still pay, you know, 5,000 depending on what else happens in the, in the rest of the sequence. So that's why I would use the caretaker. Um, but Although that's it's a different could, animal. You, yeah. Or you could just play a double hawkish to the caretaker, play a nice double for a lot less than you'll have to spend on him in the pick five. And if you get it, if, if he beats you, you'll have that double and it'll play pretty nice with hawkish on the other end of it. I mean, so there are other ways you can hedge, well, that's a good point. That's a really, really good point. In fact, uh, that's probably I agree. what I do. I agree. Okay, well, uh, so do you think, do you each think that you are going to play this pick five? I am going to play this pick five because I'm not handicapping anything else. And I, I want some action and I want to finally cash on Hawkish. Well, there is another option. There's a cross-country pick five that uses these last three races and a couple from Churchill. So you might want to take a look at that and see which one you like better. They both have hawkish in them, um, but you might like those first two races at Churchill better than the ones at, at New York. I don't know, um, but that's one other option you have that you might want to explore. And that cross-country pick five usually pays pretty well. I mean, I think you get a little, for some reason, you tend to get a little better payout than you'd expect. So that's that's another thing to consider. Uh, worth considering. I, I sort of set my sights on not handicapping anything more than Aqueduct because I guess I'm a little handicapped out after last week. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if I, I'll, I'll take a look because it is it does include one stake race at Churchill, the Miss Revere, I think. Uh, which is always a pretty good race. Small field this year, but it's it's usually a good race. Yeah, actually, it doesn't include that race. I think it's the sixth and seventh from Churchill that are part of it. I might be wrong, but that's the note I have. Okay, well. So it may maybe not. If you don't want to handicap anymore, certainly. But if for other some of the listeners that were planning on looking at Churchill, there is that cross country pick five. It's the sixth and seventh at CD and the eight, nine, and 10 from Aqueduct. So I always try, try to find out what those races are because, you know, typically it's, it's a pretty good sequence. And I have it as the sixth and the ninth from CD and the seventh, eighth, and ninth from Aqueduct. So this is oh. from, this is on the Naira website. Oh, really? Okay. Well, yeah. then I take that back. So maybe it is. Uh, the sixth well, and the Churchill. It's the, it's the seventh and the, and the um, I'm sorry, the sixth and the ninth at Churchill. That's what it says on the site, on, on the Naira site. All right. Well, they probably know better than I do. So <laughs> they might have changed it. They might have had a sixth, seventh, and then, the, and then changed it. They have changed it before, like, like a day before. Um, so uh, please check to make sure the. <laughs> <laughs> but but look at that and find out. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, well, and the good thing like, about that race, it's not the tenth at Aqueduct. It's the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Oh, okay. So good. That yeah, yeah because that tenth at Aqueduct is the one that might keep me from from playing it. The only way I'll play it is if I just decide I will, I'll tie toss the caretaker. That that's the way I play it. The Judy way. Um, if I play it, um, because I can't lean on the caretaker and I just can't invest 
you know, I don't want to spread and include that one. So um, I, I'm still, I haven't decided yet on that, what I'll do on that. I usually do all my handicapping and then I go back through and figure out how I want to bet it based on my opinions of the races. I usually separate those two things out. Um, I found that to be helpful. Well, I, I go through the races and then, uh, but in just doing this, there was no way that I felt so strongly about a single in any of these races. And um, I would have to, after you get changes and all that kind of stuff in the morning, make my decision on whether I play or not, because I am not, I call myself a serious handicapper, but I'm not a big better. Uh, do yeah. not spread. Do, do not have big tickets. Yeah, I and mean, there's a really good chance that one of these races will be taken off the turf. So well, we have three in the sequence. So there's a good chance that one of them comes off. So yeah, everything's dependent on what the entries look like tomorrow and the and the track conditions. Yeah, Churchill's supposed to be cloudy tomorrow. Uh, it'll. I've just looked up the weather. Twenty percent chance of rain. So. Okay. Well, um, yeah, so you got the Churchill, uh, the cross country pick five and the aqueduct pick five is your choices. I'd like to thank our guest, Judy Wagner. Judy, thanks for spending the time with us on this tough, tough pick five. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy talking horses with, uh, great handicappers, people that I really admire as far as their handicapping, but I just, I'm not sure if I will play. And, you know, passing the pick five, you don't have, just because you handicap it doesn't mean you have to bet it. And uh, it's probably best off, you know, not being played many, most of the time. Only if you have a really strong opinion, like you said, you don't have, uh, you don't even have a single. I, I do have a single, so that's why I'm going to take a stab. Well, good so let's luck hope. To you. <laughs> yeah, let's hope uh, you can bring. If you can get Hawkish home, just make sure that you you bet Hawkish in some other pools so that um, you can cash on him if he does run. Because you'll make money, and you can make money on him in a lot of other ways besides the pick five. So yeah, so, if they're if they're ten to one or higher, I'll always have a win bet on them. Yeah, I mean, if it's a horse I feel strongly about, which is this is one of them. So. So well, great. You well, believe I'm hawkish tomorrow. I watch in the gate. I mean, coming in the paddock, coming out on the track. Yeah. You're and gonna you're gonna be watching. Me, it, that might cause me to pull the trigger on hawkish, even if I'm not playing the uh, pick five. Well, uh, you know, I hope so. I, the the horse they've always thought really highly of the horse, and and he was great as a three year old, and he hasn't improved that much as a five year old, but he's improved enough to know that he's he's healthy. So, uh, so I I think he's potentially the class of the race. And um, anyway, you know, it a, a part of it is part of it is you know once I latch onto a horse, I I I have a hard time letting go. So. Yeah, and a lot of well, it will depend on, on what. And a lot of it depends on what the track, you know, if they stay on the turf or not, and what the turf is like. Um, that'll play a lot into it too. So you have to kind of wait and see, because we won't know the answer to that until tomorrow. 
All right. Well, thanks a lot, everybody. And that will conclude show number 94 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck in the Aqueduct Pick 5 or the Cross Country Pick 5. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers. Cheers.